Hi, you're listening to The Cardigan, a special series from Selfie, focusing on the intersection of psychology and self-care. I'm Kristen, a licensed therapist, a skilled catastrophizer, and mom of four. And I'm Matthias, a licensed therapist, side-eye aficionado, and a dog dad. We're going to be taking your mental health questions, chatting about our own journeys, and looking at psychology in the media. We hope you learned something about yourself, the people you love, and the world of mental health and maybe laugh a little along the way. So go grab some tea and your favorite cardigan and we'll meet you on the couch. Hey guys, welcome to Selfie. I'm here with Matthias. We're going to do some mental health check-ins with each other. Today we're talking about why don't good therapists take insurance? Matthias and I are both therapists, and we're going to bring some perspective to that question. And we're going to be talking about a recent article about um, the fact that a recent soccer player at Stanford committed suicide. And since then, Stanford has acknowledged it has a suicide problem. So we're going to talk about the connection between high pressure schools and environments and suicide. So if um, that is a trigger for you, that will be at the very end of the episode, and we'll let you know before that starts. Hey, Matthias. Hey, Kristen. Well, how is your mental health going? You know, I'm doing all right overall. I, it has been, I feel like I always say this, it has been a busy season. <laughs> Only I, writing a book, that's right, all. Writing a book, and I decided, you know, this would be a really good time to start a new season of my other podcast, Queerology. So I'm doing well. Okay, let's talk about that decision because I, not gonna lie, saw that come through my feed and I was like, "What is he doing?" <laughs> it is a good question. <laughs> yeah. What, I, what I, made you say? Well, okay. Actually, I pro- I'm guessing I do know the answer, which is that your publishing team wants you to amp up the podcast to promote book sales yes yeah it's some of that it's some of the it has just been a long time and i've missed doing it some of it is i was bored on a thursday afternoon (laughs) and procrastinating and was like well (laughs) i guess i can start my podcast enneagram seven yep right (laughs) time for something new (laughs) yeah so you know starting that back up again we launched the first episode of season five Yesterday. Who so, was your first guest? Uh, Joe is... Lumen. Oh, nice. I, yeah. Okay, you need to tell our listeners, because some of our folks may not know about your other podcast. Tell us what it is, what the theme is, all that. Yeah. Yeah, so it's called Queerology, a uh, podcast on belief in being. And it, it, it's a show where I sit down with folks who identify as being LGBTQ mm-hmm. in one way or another and of faith in one way or another. Yeah. And we hold those things relatively loosely. Um, we'll bring allies on as well occasionally and really have conversations where like faith is a starting point <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and go in a direction of what are people doing in the world <laughs> and having these big conversations around justice and what it looks like to be queer, just living our lives. And it's less about kind of, it's okay to be queer in the world and more of like, how are we living our lives? And yeah, it's really fun. Yeah. That's awesome. I mean, I think your podcast is how I got to know you mm-hmm. way, way back. <laughs> It's been on for a while. So. Well, I remember you guys, I, I feel like, if I remember this correctly, you guys did a live of it at Wild Goose. Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. And yes. I think that's when I kind of first met you. Yeah. 
I think so too, because that is where we met first was was the goose. It's fun. So yeah. that's ramping back up. Do you know how many mm-hmm. episodes you're gonna do? I don't know. I yeah. this is where I get really bad at the podcasting thing. <laughs> I'm just like, I'll do it till I feel like not doing it. And then oh, yeah. it means that I literally drop off the face of the earth sometimes <laughs> without any warning. I'm just like, no more episodes. <laughs> well, Kai, at least you have seasons. I mean, I'm like, oh, we're j- there's no seasons. We're just, <laughs> we're just running these numbers on up with no seasons, no organization. <laughs> it's a hard world. It is. It is. So podcast ramping back up, book writing, how's that going? Slowly. They yeah. moved my deadline up two weeks. So oh. when I say slowly, I mean I'm panicked. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> and those two things together are, are rough. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm getting ready. I like booked a little Airbnb out on in a pretty remote island. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm going there for nearly two weeks. Uh, and... I'm hoping yeah. that I'll wrap it up. Um, that's awesome. Did that's you do goal. that with your previous book? Did you kind of go away? No, I didn't. No. I, well, I like went away to coffee shops, which is something sure. that like right now doesn't feel super accessible because we still have mm-hmm. mask mandates to a point and it's just not fun to sit with a, and write with a mask. On, no. Which, yeah. So I, I feel like that's why I'm getting away to like. Yeah going away away because those kind of third spaces still aren't as available as mm-hmm. they used to be. Totally. Um, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. How about you? How are you doing? I'm good. I just, I think that I talked about this a while back, but I have been doing sessions with a place called the pain psychology center mm-hmm. for my IBS. And my IBS looks like mine is less less dramatic in terms of the exit. Um, Mine is just stomach cramping. Ah. So I don't have a lot of, you know, symptoms in terms of constipation or diarrhea. I just have stomach cramping all day long. Um, And I learned about this, the pain psychology center, they actually sent me an email, um, you know, like kind of like a press release. And I was Mm. like, hmm, that sounds awesome. So I ended up doing six sessions with one of their therapists. His name was Brandon Gescheidel. He was awesome. Um, but the whole the whole gist of what they do, it's, it's something called pain reprocessing therapy. And this was created by a guy named Alan Gordon. He has a book all about it um, called The Way Out. He also has a podcast. Um, but his whole idea is that chronic campaign, chronic pain in a lot of neuroscience data, um, is often due to misfiring pain circuits in the brain. Right. So it's not that your pain isn't real and it's not that your pain doesn't have a biological cause, but for myself, for a lot of other people, things start misfiring and then it doesn't regulate. Mm -hmm. It just becomes chronic. So there's a whole kind of mind-body protocol that we went through, um, a thing called somatic tracking that I learned that I found to be very effective. Hmm. So I have to say for any chronic pain sufferers that that are listening, highly recommend it. If the cost of therapy is 
inaccessible or you just want to learn more about it, a very good place to start is just with the book. The book is The Way Out. I'll link it up. It's on Amazon. Um, and then listening to the podcast. There's um, Their podcast is called Telling Me About Your Pain. And I actually, in addition to doing six sessions with them, I listened to all of the episodes of oh, wow. the podcast, which I found you know almost just as useful. Um, so yeah, it's, it is a, a really science-based approach um, and very accessible, I think, for people who are looking for solutions to pain. Wow. Well, have you found relief through it? I have. Now, you know, it doesn't make my pain go away. Sure. But number one, a big part of it is stopping the panic about the pain. And identifying the messages that I give myself when I'm feeling that pain, which my messages are, here we go again. Um, I'll never be free of this. This is ruining my life. This is, you know, something's wrong with me. Um, And just learning to kind of notice it without judgment, without fear, and live with it. And in doing that, it reduces your body's hypervigilance to it. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And then when you do that, you know, all that hypervigilance starts to turn down a little bit. So I would say it's turned down. And that's a big deal. It is a big deal. Yeah, it is a big deal. Um, It's not all the way gone, but it is, I, I live, it's just like a parallel companion at this point, instead of a thing that feels so stressful and distressing all the time. Yeah. Wow. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. I definitely, definitely recommend it. And I'll link up all of that in the show notes. Great. Yeah. Well, what you got today for two thumbs up? Yeah. Well, it, you know, it's spring. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm thinking about gardening. Mm-hmm. I don't have tons of space to garden. Like my, I, I do live in like a home where there's a backyard and my landlord does let me have a little plot of the garden but it's not a super plot big plot and so last year I started experimenting with kind of container gardening because I wanted to grow more than I had space for Mm -hmm. and I stumbled across these plant grow bags and there's a variety of different brands out there but the ones that I used was Vivo Sun just because they were on Amazon could ship to me quickly because I don't plan ahead and (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and they were great. And I'm going to hmm. use them again this year. They're just these like fabric-ish <laughs> like bags that look pretty appealing uh-huh. uh, that you then just fill with dirt and you can plant whatever you and them. I used them for tomatoes. I used them for eggplant. I used them for jalapenos last year. And they allow the roots to breathe. They're quick draining and I was really, really impressed with them last year. Uh-huh. Okay, that's really cool. That makes a ton of sense because I always – I will think about doing more gardening and then I start feeling like, well, then I have to build planters. And that, right. you know, that feels too daunting. Like I, uh-huh. I don't want to get out wood and a saw. <laughs> right. <laughs> so this makes a ton of sense. Yeah. And they're relatively affordable and like they're just – they're so easy. Yeah. And- do you, I, so what do you sit them on? Do you sit them on grass? Do you sit them on concrete? I have them on my, I have a little terrace outside that I just have them sitting on Got concrete. It. Yeah. And, you know, water like you would a normal yeah. garden and things grow and Ooh, grow I like really that. well. 
Yeah. This feels like a really good idea for more invasive stuff too. Yes. Like I really want to grow mint, but mint takes over. Right. You have to be so careful. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Lavender takes over. Rosemary grows insane. So this would be perfect for those like things that can get out of control that you want to contain. Yes. And you can get them in so many different sizes. Like I Uh got big ones for the tomatoes, smaller ones for herbs, and you can just kind of mix and match as as what you need. Oh my gosh. I love this idea. I'm totally buying some. Yeah. They're they're so great for for gardening in spaces where you may not have. Oh my gosh. Yeah. (laughs) have the the soil (laughs) brilliant i'd never even heard of these yeah yeah hey what about you um well i have a new um face cream that i'm really liking um i you know i have gotten in the habit of i do my serums and then i fail to put a moisturizer on over top oh wow i know which is not great face my face protests when i do that yes it does okay Okay. (laughs) but i don't know why like step two is just so difficult for me Yep. But yes. And so I was getting super dry. So anyway, this one, I love the name of it too. It's called The Putty. Okay. <laughs> super smoothing face cream, but it's from a brand called Graydon. I really like this brand a lot. Um, I've used a number of their other products, but yes, it's just, it's very soothing. Um, it's really good for sensitive skin. Mm. It, it has a great feel. It just feels rich. I use it at night. Okay. Um, but yeah, I, I just really like it. It's a great all purpose everyday moisturizer and it's, it has a really nice scent to it too. Nice. Yeah. It looks cute too. I know. I know the packaging is nice, which, you yeah. know, is very, very important. <laughs> I, I eat that shit up. Yeah. That's <laughs> oh my gosh. Show me something with a good font and I'm in. Yep. Same. <laughs> In fact, the other day we were driving by, there's a new restaurant and um, my boyfriend was like, that looks good. I'm like, oh, that does look good. And then we're like, what looks good about it? Like the font? Like, yeah. are, do we think a restaurant looks good because it has a good font and like vertical siding? That's real though. It's real. <laughs> like we liked the logo. We're like, oh, I bet the food is amazing. I have no idea what kind of food is served there. But because the font was good, we we're like, we should go there. Yeah. <laughs> I I I don't know that I've told you this. Maybe I have, but like I, I did my undergraduate work in graphic design. Yes. And um one of our assignments, this was my favorite assignment that we did, was we had to take one of our favorite restaurants that didn't have good branding. And the assignment was to then rebrand the entire Oh, I love that. What and did you do? So fun. I did this little uh it, it was a, a Mexican restaurant in Tulsa, Oklahoma called Elote. Um <laughs> and like it their food is so good, but their branding, mm-hmm. in my opinion, <laughs> was not good. And I just, I refreshed it to this really fun, kind of vibey look that, that felt like it matched the quality of their food. Okay, that's um, awesome. Yeah, yeah, it was so fun. I love that. Yeah. yeah. Well, let's talk about this question of why don't good therapists take insurance? Now, I want to offer a caveat because we get, you know, therapists who take insurance. Um, I have talked about this before online and people get very defensive. Let me first of all say that I take insurance, mm-hmm. <laughs> some some insurance. Um, and this is not a generalization. This is not all therapists. There are some great therapists that take insurance. Yeah. But it is very hard to find a good therapist who takes insurance. Yes. Let's talk about why that is. Yes. Yeah. Like, this is a question I get all the time. Yeah. <laughs> 
exactly phrased this way. Like, why can't I find a good therapist yeah. with insurance? And and I think those caveats are so important. Of like, I know so many therapists who are good therapists who do take insurance. Yeah. But so, like, I mean, there are many reasons, but one factor is well, if you're a therapist who takes insurance, it means you're likely always full. Yes. <laughs> and therefore, it makes it that much harder. Um, I don't take insurance. Uh, and uh, I do that because insurance companies don't reimburse at a rate that I need in order to be able to survive. Yeah. Um, that is a big reason. That's a huge reason. Yeah. Um, I think I think the billable rate, I think people don't understand that insurance pays so low. Um, I think another reason a lot of therapists don't take insurance is that, first of all, they pay low. Second of all, they also just won't pay. So let's talk about the conditions that insurance won't pay for, because I think people don't understand this. If insurance is going to pay, they want a diagnosis. Yep. And that diagnosis needs to be something like anxiety, depression, bipolar. Um, But, I mean, I see clients for a a myriad of reasons that insurance would never cover. Right. First of which is any relational counseling. (laughs) Right. (laughs) They don't cover that. No marital counseling. Um, They're not going to cover religious trauma counseling. Mm -hmm. They're not going to cover... Um, even like complex PTSD, right? Um, attachment stuff. I mean, what are some of the things that you see that insurance yeah. wouldn't cover? Yeah, it's almost all my clients. Like, yeah, cause, especially because I do kind of specialize in religious trauma, working with LGBTQ mm-hmm. folks around, mm-hmm. you know, just like surviving, right? Identity uh, stuff that's not right. covered. None of that is covered, mm-hmm. and. And that reality of when I, I tell people, because I, I do do what is called super bills that yes. people can get and then submit to their insurance companies for reimbursement, which a lot of insurance companies will, uh, to some extent at least. It, it, but, I, you know, I tell everyone, like, if you're going to submit a super bill, it means you have to have a diagnosis. Mm-hmm. And we're going to have to find a diagnosis in the DSM that justifies you coming to therapy and it's gonna feel kind of awkward yeah (laughs) yeah because a lot of these things i mean you mentioned cptsd like that is not technically a quote-unquote real diagnosis Mm -hmm. according to the dsm Mm -hmm. like insurance companies do not see that as valid and and so a lot of times it means i have to diagnose in a way Mm -hmm. that suggests more acuity than what is actually present yeah and that, to me, feels ethical for as much as I want someone, like I do it because I want people to be able to afford therapy. <laughs> right. And, I mean, it's such a hard bind because that diagnosis will follow someone around for the rest of their life. Totally. Totally. And this is a bind that lots of, th- I mean, this is a conversation between therapists all the time. Like, yeah. what diagnostic code are you using to get them covered? You know, how are you justifying this diagnostic code? And as you said, I mean, most therapists will give a diagnosis because we want people to be able to get treatment. Right. Um, But sometimes it's a bit of a stretch. Yep. So, yeah, there's a diagnosing issue. And then I think a lot of people don't understand that once you are taking a client with insurance, then insurance as a therapist makes you go through these insane hoops. 
So you're having to write treatment plans, you're having to justify, you're having to argue. It, it, it can be an administrative nightmare. There's a number of insurance panels that will just decline your first, um, you know, your first entry right off the bat. Like they just think that you'll go away. Right. Um, I am currently working with um, Blue Cross Blue Shield mm-hmm. and they what they do is they send – um, they send my payment off to a third party that holds it hostage. It's called multi-plan. Have you heard of this? I have, yeah. So they hold the payment hostage. They tell me if I accept a lower rate, they'll pay me right away. Or if I accept my regular rate, I'll get it later. Ugh. Can you believe that? That is so frustrating. It's so unethical. And I won't, I don't, I don't negotiate. I'm like, right. okay, fine. Pay me in a month whatever, like I'm not lowering my rate to get it faster, but just the amount of bullshit that we have to deal with as a therapist. And it's, it's demoralizing, you know, I mean, we're professionals. We've, you know, we've gotten graduate degrees and licenses, and then we have insurance companies treating us like it. It's, it's just crazy making. Right. I mean, it's like weird gaslighty behavior from insurance companies. Right, because they will look for every reason oh, to yes. try to, you know, say like this client does not need therapy. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> and then you're living under constant threat of them auditing you. Yeah. Um. Sometimes they will do what's called a clawback, where they ask you for money back. Yes. Oh my gosh, I know so many people that that has happened to, it's where terrible. they have to pay like six thousand dollars. Yeah. Back to the insurance company because of something something odd happens. Yeah. <laughs> and there's no way around it. They yes. just have to pay yeah. six to 10 grand. Mm. So, you know, a, a lot of therapists just get sick of this and say, I'm not going to do it. Um, a lot. And I, and I find the ones that, that stay in the insurance game will stay in for a couple of reasons. I mean, the reason I stay in is it's just, a bit of a justice issue for me. I don't sure. like the idea that the only people that could ever see me can afford my rate. Yeah, right. And I also, I, I, being on the other end of it, I feel that frustration of I'm paying for insurance and I don't want to then double pay for out-of-pocket therapy. Yep. Um, but I, I can only do a couple insurance clients at a time because it's yep. so time-consuming. Right. So time-consuming. Yeah. And I, I think that's a real thing. Like, the, I mean, the justice issue it is a justice issue. And yeah. I mean, the way that I work with it, it is like I have I have a sliding scale. Yes. <laughs> and yes. have those those kind of those several slots that people can pay me at much lower rates. Um is that the best solution? <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> like yeah. I wish it was equitable. I wish there was a way that the system wide like it it was accessible, but it, it, at least there's something it's so difficult it's so hard and i mean i am i'm on the other end of it i have you know we have insurance i've tried to get all of my kids on um seeing a therapist using their insurance over the last year i you know i make these huge long lists and i check reviews of the people that are paneled with our insurance first of all most of them just have terrible review reviews right off the bat you know right um, a lot of them, I would say 90% of them are still um, pre-licensed. Mm-hmm. 
which that could work out well, but it could not. You know, someone who's a year, two years out of school, that that for me feels a little risky. Mm-hmm. I mean, do you think you were doing good therapy a year or two out of grad school? <laughs> I know I wasn't. <laughs> you know? Yeah, right. Um, and then, And then the experiences have just been absurd. I mean, I really can't believe how bad some of the therapists have been that we've seen, including myself. Like I talked about this online the other day, like I found a therapist that took my insurance. We had one session. I described my insomnia. He told me that I needed to focus on getting a good night's sleep and stop worrying about it. (laughs) Can you believe that? (laughs) Like, what? And then he discharged me. He gave me one session and then he discharged me. (laughs) Problem solved. (laughs) I know. I was seriously like, what just happened? What just happened? So unprofessional. So anyway, I I would say if you have insurance and you're looking for a good therapist, the first thing I would say is it will be a long journey to find a good one. Mm -hmm. And just know that that's a part of it. If you're dedicated to using your insurance – you need to cross-reference every therapist you're looking at with Yelp reviews, with, you know, really dig into them. And then also know you're probably going to try two or three before you find a good one. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, there are other there are other options for finding a good, you know, a good therapist. I mean, you can ask about sliding scales. I also wouldn't recommend BetterHelp. Right, right. I would not recommend BetterHelp for all of the reasons that, you know, they they don't pay well. Um, I think therapists who land on BetterHelp are generally there because they have not been successful in other jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that's a broad generalization. I did a stint on BetterHelp because at the beginning, I thought this was like democratized therapy. Right. Um, but very quickly learned no, this is just like a Silicon Valley company that is m- making a ton of money off the back of therapists. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, it's a very high turnover rate because people start like me. And then, I mean, I walked in the room and walked right back out. Right, right. I think people who are staying on in that role, I would I would be concerned mm-hmm. about why. Yeah. And, and there are also, at least in Seattle, I, I – would be surprised if this is all over the place, but if you're in a major kind of metropolitan area and and maybe even not, (laughs) there are funds out there. If you're part of marginalized identities, that there are therapy fund nonprofits um, that uh, can help, you know, supplement. uh, So that's worth searching for too. Yeah. uh, If, uh, cause there are other options. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good word. And I, you know, I, again, want to circle back to it, it, not every therapist who takes insurance is bad, but right. I think you just have to really do diligence on researching who they are. Yeah. And that's a part of it. Uh, you know, a part of it is just, you know, research. The research phase will be a yep. big one. Right. And be prepared to be on a wait list for a while. Uh, that's another very good point. Yes. Yeah. Because I think people who take insurance have a pretty long wait list. Yeah. 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 Ugh, I hate it. Like, I just hate that's this state of our industry i know Um, i know it really sucks yeah 
Well, let's talk about this um, situation with Stanford, which is, you know, a very high achieving school. There was a very public suicide of a student named Katie Meyer. She was an all-star soccer player. Um, and also what we know of Stanford, you know, if, if you know anyone who has gone there or have researched it, it's an incredibly difficult to school to get into academically. Mm-hmm. So anyone who is at Stanford probably performed at the top of their class in high school. You know, I, I mean, I have a student who's trying to get into similar schools and, you know, the the burden of preparation for these kinds of colleges is fairly insane. Yeah. Um, and, and then you add to that being on a sports team for a school like this. And it's, it's, it's hard to imagine the pressure. Um, but so Stanford, this, this had, has made four suicides of students at their school in the last 13 months. So their rate of suicide is much, much higher than the national average. And so, you know, there has just been some conversation about what is going on here. Um, what do you think is going on there? <laughs> I feel like, I feel like it's a hard question to answer. Yeah. And, uh, like, I think and wonder some of it, I, I wonder like this high pressure environment. Right. Where, I mean, we know it's high pressure. Yes. But then add on top all of the other environmental factors that are happening of COVID and pandemic and war. Like, I mean, all of these different things where I I would imagine, I don't know this about Stanford, but my imagination is that Stanford maybe didn't drop their standards. Like where where some Mm, schools mm -hmm, mm -hmm. were like the school that I work for, you know, we got rid of due dates we did uh-huh. a whole year where we didn't even give grades hmm. it was like did you do the assignments or not mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and it like lightened up on a lot of things because of these environmental factors mm-hmm. i don't know this my guess stanford probably didn't get rid of a lot of those things and, and so we're heightening the pressure where environmental factors are heightening as well like what do you expect people to do yeah yeah, absolutely. I think um, this, the official statement from the university is, we are convening experts to consider what measures would be helpful beyond clinical support. And we've become recru- we've begun recruitment for additional permanent clinical counseling and therapy positions. But do you think that this is an, an issue of accessibility of mental health on campus? <laughs> no. I don't either. <laughs> like, I love that idea. Like, yes. Right. Yes, bring in more clinical therapy positions, but my guess is that most of these people would not have availed themselves of this, right? I mean, they're not people who who are under high pressure situations are often not interested in and who are feeling you know who are feeling the temptation in their life are generally not interested in going to counseling, right? You know, they're they're right. feeling desperate. Um, and when you're and, and, in that desperation, you're not doing things that will help you. Right. And I think, you know, especially speaking as a therapist, it is really hard to do therapy with someone who is in a system that is uh-huh. kind of causing the symptoms, right? Like, yes. like we can do as much therapy as we want to, but if we don't work with getting that person out of the system or, you know, the, the kind of improving the life outside the therapy room, like 
it's not going to change anything. Like I can be the best therapist in the world. <laughs> and if all of these other factors are still in play, it's going to make it that much harder to find relief. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that, I think that high pressure schools are truly detrimental to our mental health. And this is actually reminding me, and I want to see if I can find this literature, but there was an article that talked about, you know, you know, that term ACEs, um, which refers to like adverse childhood experiences. Yes. Uh-huh. Yep. And so we talk about ACEs in terms of, you know, child abuse, um, neglect, um, you know, death. Th- and there was an article that talked about the fact that they are now considering students who attend a, high, a very high pressure academic school, they now consider that to be one of the ACEs. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I'll have to find that article. But I mean, I I really believe it. Mm-hmm. I, I really right. believe it. I mean, I think um, – I, I just think it, it is very detrimental. And I mean, I have certainly seen clients who have been in these environments, and it, it is hard not to just say, you know, seems like the solution to all this would be just go to a regular school. Right. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah, because so, I, think, I think those – at least in my experience of even being in some of those systems, although I certainly wasn't at like Stanford level. So acknowledging that, but so much of that kind of high pressure environment rests on shame, right? Like inevitably, even if people aren't trying. <laughs> yeah. It, like that it's a, it's a shame based culture, even if it's just internalized, like I have to perform at this level or else I am bad. Yes. Uh, and that is so detrimental to, to mental health. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Or, you know, or if I make a mistake, there's no coming back. Right. Yep. Because mm-hmm. I'm balancing that even for myself. I mean, I mentioned I do, I have a student, one of my kids really wants to go to Berkeley. That's her dream. Mm-hmm. And she's a freshman in high school and she's taking – she took a college class before she started high school, you know. Wow. She's taking dual enrollment stuff. She's doing an AP class her freshman year. And the pressure for her to not get a B, I mean, what what even is this life? Like that mm-hmm. she feels like she can't get a B. Yeah. But she's right. Right. Like she's not making that up for herself. If she mm-hmm. want, If that's what she wants, she can't afford a B. And so, you know, in – all year long, it's just this constant stress of I have to keep every single grade really high plus ASB, you know, plus being in the theater, plus volunteering, plus, you know, yeah. it's a lot. Well, it is a lot. And then it sets you up for, like, I think it sets people up for then down the road once you hit like grad school where again, at least at the graduate school that I work at, our motto is a C means you did well. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then like anything above a C, like a B or an A is like, this is exemplary work. I can't even say that word. <laughs> yeah. Exempl- exempl- exemplary. 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 <laughs> that is a hard one. But like, and on one hand, I understand that. But on the other hand is like when we live in this world where like you have to get straight A's, like a C yeah. is going to feel like 
utter failure. And I like my students feel that. (laughs) Totally. Right. Well, I mean, even my daughter, you know, she's, she's struggling in her AP classes and it's like, well, yeah, these, these are really hard. Like most people don't get A's in these. Right. Like that's normal. Um, yeah. And so I think I'm constantly just aware of this like high pressure thing and just like giving messages of like, it's also just totally okay if you go to community college, Mm -hmm. like you can have a totally rich life or not go to college, you know, like there are, I I think that's so important that to teach our kids that there are multiple avenues to success and that success isn't even really that important. Like happiness is more important. Right. I mean, I've always felt that, that I would rather have average happy kids than high performing unhappy kids. Right. Especially because of the reality that that trade careers are lucrative. Totally. Like, I mean, I was, I think, given that message, I, I don't know, like explicitly from my my parents, but just the environment of growing up is like, if you work in a trade job, you've somehow failed and you're going uh-huh. to be poor. And, and that yep. is not the reality. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's not Oh, true. my gosh. Yeah. yeah I totally i totally got that message as a kid too like if you were a plumber or an electrician or you know a carpenter like like what happened right and now to my kids i'm like hey guys you know what pays well hvac you know what you should learn <laughs> installing air conditioners uh-huh you know like work with your hands be done with your job at 5 p.m. have a low stress job and get paid a lot how about that yeah right right <laughs> But yeah, I think, I don't know. I I just think that, I think a lot of this stress on, you know, massive school performance and massive sports performance comes from parents. And I think we would do well to let our kids off the hook. I'm not saying, I'm not blaming parents for this because the school, it's the school environments that set it up. Um, And especially, I mean, I'll speak as a Californian, I mean, our UC system, the admissions rates for some of them are like 13, 15%. Like, good luck going to state school kids. Mm -hmm. You know, those are supposed to be the ones that are easy to get into. So, I I mean, it's the environment that is creating all of this, this, you know, felt need to be the very, very best. But I think we do well by our kids if we can constantly be affirming that there are many, many paths to a good life. Right. Many paths. And that a good life doesn't need to be an exemplary life, a you know, high performance life. Like we don't need to be. And also like that sports could just be for fun. I feel like right. that message is missed a lot. Uh-huh. Yeah. I feel like everyone who puts their kid in a sport is then like figuring out how they're going to get a scholarship in that sport. Like maybe they just play the sport in high school and then they don't play it again. Mm-hmm. Like what happened to that? <laughs> I don't know. I, I I played shitty soccer in high school. I'd never played before. I was on JV my senior year and I've never played it again. And like, I think that's a really beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, just like yes. be average at a sport right. and then don't do it in college. Sounds nice to me. <laughs> I know. I know. Um, but yeah, I think, I mean, as as we're discussing suicide, I just, I do want to, you know, say that if you know someone who's exhibiting warrants of suicide, take it seriously. 
Don't leave them alone. Investigate, ask hard questions, make sure they don't have access to firearms. Um, and then there is the U.S. National Suicide Prevention Line, 1-800-273-TALK. Um, that can always offer assistance for you or for someone that you love. Yeah, right. The best thing you can do is to talk with someone. Absolutely. And to actually use the language of suicide. Yes. In and, those conversations. And asking someone if they're thinking about suicide does not cause suicide. Right. So it don't does. feel scared to use those specific words. Yep. Hey, thanks for listening. Just a heads up, we're therapists, but we're not your therapists. This podcast is not a substitute for therapy, and by making it, we're not rendering psychological or other professional services. If you need therapy, we recommend you track down someone to help. Join us online for more of the conversation in our Selfie Community Facebook group or on Instagram at at Selfie Podcast. 